Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Father, we pray that as we... uh... As we step into your word today, we just pray just a special blessing over today. We pray your anointing over the word that that Mel's going to bring. I thank you so much for this church. I thank you for each and every person that's here today. Would you move each in each and every one of us, Father? We ask you to do something in us today. We we open our hearts to you. Whatever you want to do, Father, will will you do it, Father? We want want to be ready and available for whatever you have. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, Mel. Hi, everybody. Thank you. Wow, I can't believe you get to hear the first sermon I've ever written in my whole life. <laughs> uh, that's not true. Um, I've, I've been really honored um, to have the opportunity to speak, uh, mainly just to middle schoolers, because nobody else will. Uh, but as Leslie knows, they really need Jesus too. So um, today, uh, I have felt just exceptionally honored to open my Bible and to pray on behalf of you. For the past year, my family has been able to experience the community that is in the name of this church. And I tell people all the time that that is not not false advertising, that it really is about community. And we brought all of our five kids, we like doubled the youth group in one day. And, we prayed, we prayed and prayed that we would all feel at home. And I just want to thank you um, that our kids beg us to come to church now, and it's because of you. So I wanted to say that when I was praying and I opened the Bible and I said, Lord, what do you want me to say to them, that I felt this just presence of thankfulness. This is the best that I can do, the gift that I can give back to you. I hope it feels like a gift today. Uh, If not, next week is a new day, so we're going to be fine. Um, I'm going to tell you two stories today. One should make you laugh if you have any bit of personality whatsoever. Um, The other should make you angry if you have conviction. And we're going to look at this moment when Matthew has an experience with Jesus that changes everything. And we're going to do that all in the light of what it looks like when the weary are rested. We've been spending time talking about rest. We identified that there's a difference in soul care and self-care, and we talked about this idea that our mind plays a huge role in rest. And then we talked about that the burden should be light and easy whenever Jesus is the center of it. And we've just been consuming this idea of rest. But today, today is that moment where we have to make a turn and the rubber meets the road and say, what does all of this have to do with us out there? What does it look like when the weary are rested? My experience is that when the weary are rested, they walk out their faith. They're not faithful. They don't just talk about their faith. They literally, step by step, walk it out. And there's two steps to walking out your faith. You follow Jesus and you love people. 
And the thing that will make you weary is that you have to constantly keep doing that. It's this cadence of your life of Jesus and people and Jesus and people. And we have to be a community that finds rest in the middle of all of that because so much is on the line. And we're going to watch Matthew do this instantly. There's this moment where Jesus is going to approach him, you'll see in Matthew 9, and and he just instantly, his next instinct is to follow Jesus and love people, and I think you're going to be so inspired. But before we get there, it's very important that we understand Matthew's occupation and his location. See, Matthew was a tax collector, and I don't think I have to do a whole lot of explaining for you to get the idea that that probably wasn't the most popular job title during the time. He wasn't getting invited to all the weddings and the baby showers and all the things, but it goes a little further than that. It wasn't just that Matthew was unpopular, it's that he was seen as an oppressor. There was this word the Jewish leaders would use during that time for tax collectors, and it literally meant oppressor. How would you like to be walking down the street and people say, good morning, oppressor? I don't know that they greeted him that way, but I'm sure by them not even making eye contact with him that he got the message. And it went so far as that the Jewish leaders during that time, when they talked about these people that worked for the Roman IRS, if you will, that they made it clear that they were not clean and that they were not a part of any community like this. So much so, they would not even accept Matthew's money. Now, I don't know this to be true, but I think Tim would accept anybody's money, right? (laughs) We got bills to pay. This isn't cheap. That, that vanilla latte with oat milk you're drinking, that's expensive. So this is a big deal. They would not even accept his money. And that's important for us to think about when we're reading this because that means that Matthew lived in this really interesting world where when he was with his co-workers and, and that Roman government, they were telling them that you are the most important person in the room and his money could buy him all of the things that maybe made him feel that way for a moment, but when he walked outside and nobody would look his way, there had to be this tension there. When he walked past a synagogue that he wasn't allowed in and his money wasn't welcome in, there's a huge voice speaking against Matthew. That was his occupation, his location, just as important. It is believed that this booth that Matthew worked in, this tax collector booth, his office, if you will, was somewhere between the Sea of Galilee and the city of Capernaum, and they believed that it was really close to the water. This is so important because this place this was Jesus' playground at this point. He's, he's had the Sermon at the Mount here. He's healed people. This means that Matthew has heard Jesus speak. This means that he watched him heal people. He very well could have watched the moment when Jesus called the other disciples to put their net on the other side of the boat, and they caught all of the fish, and then Jesus asked them to join his ragtag group. And then Matthew probably taxed them on the very fish that they caught that day. There's going to be some tension here when Jesus does something that he shouldn't have done. And so it's important for me to make sure that you understood that you could see when Matthew begins to walk out his faith that the cards were against him. 
that it should have been difficult for him to do this, that he, he should have had some, some maybe uh, some excuses or some other things to do that day, but he instantly walked out his faith. But before we get into the story, I need to make sure that we're not just thinking about Matthew this morning, that we're also thinking about ourselves in this, that it's not just about Matthew walking out his faith, that it's about you and me and us as a community. And to do that, I have to tell you a story about the scariest day of my life. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you honestly felt like you were about to die. This is about to get dark real quick. I'm gonna bring it back up, don't worry. I don't know if you ever had that moment. Um, I, for me, I, I, had, I had this experience. It was terrifying. I didn't die, in case you're wondering. Um, but I was sitting in the passenger seat of my own car. And I will never forget, my heart was beating. I could hear it in my ears. My throat was closing up a little. My knees were weak and my hands were sweaty. Mom's spaghetti. <laughs> if, <laughs> if you didn't get that joke, you are a good Christian, sorry. It just, it wasn't planned, it just popped into my mind. Uh, it's a song, it's, anyways. Uh, <laughs> I was terrified. I was so terrified and I began to pray and just repent and whatever I needed to do because I honestly thought that I, I'm about to die. And I looked over in the driver's seat of my car and there he sat. It was my 15 and a half year old holding his brand new driver's permit and the keys to my car. And we are going to die today. I remember he put it in drive and I just am, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Because here's what Oklahoma does. They give your kid a card and they say, you now have to drive around this city with your parent and you don't even know what you're doing. And it's so terrifying. And I remember doing what every good mom does in this moment. I started to tell him how to do what he already knew to do, right? I was a good boss, I activated that. That's what moms do. We just nag and boss and tell you that things. And finally, I'm like intermittent that with like prayer from the Old Testament, you know, or just, and he goes with his hands just on the steering wheel. Hey, mom, do you think that maybe you could um, <clears throat> shut up? <laughs> he's, it's a good thing he was behind the wheel, right? I was like, what? And he's like, I, um, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm panicking. And I was like, join the club. And he said, I, it's, you're not making this any better. <laughs> uh, could you, could you, and I said, yeah, I can do that. And then he mumbled under his breath, I don't think that you can. <laughs> and uh, if you want me to do something, just tell me that I can't. And I was like, you know what, bet. You see that on cue way down there, all the way down there? I'm not gonna say a peep. You're not even gonna hear me breathe until we get to that on cue. And so I locked it up and I was gonna throw away the key, but I thought I might need to keep that just in case, <laughs> just in case. And I uh, put my hands, you know, and I'm just, now I'm just praying silently, just. <laughs> and I open my eyes and I see the light turn from green to yellow. And we all know that that means slow down or speed up. And uh, he's not doing either at this point. And I'm just looking kind of obnoxiously at his foot in the light, hoping uh, that he sees me. And then the light turns from yellow to red. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm like, do I win this bet or do we die? You know, um, <laughs> so it's horrible being competitive, right? 
And I'm looking and I'm looking and finally, just at the top of my lungs, I just scream. And he slams on the brakes and we stop right under that light because he is so good. Isn't he, family? He is so good. There are still skid marks at 150th and Kelly and Edmund where the day that I did not die and I remember just coming to this halt going, oh my gosh, did you, what were you doing? Did you not see the light? And he's like, no, I was doing what you said. What? He goes, you said no matter what, <laughs> don't speed, pay attention to the speedometer. And I'm thinking, you were watching the speedometer this whole time? Oh my goodness. And I'm like, okay, listen, here's what you gotta do. This is why we don't give driver's license out at Target or to 12 year olds, this is hard. You have to figure out how to pay attention to the road in front of you at all costs, 100% of the time. But you also have to pay attention to how fast you're going or how slow you're going, all at the same time. Do you think you can do that? He said, I, I think. And I'm thinking, you think? Just, I'm not even Catholic, but whatever it's gonna take, you know? <laughs> so at this point, he begins going again and I'm just looking out the side window and I see this really big cement truck coming up next to us and it was bright yellow and I thought, God, you, you are good. You have painted this truck bright yellow because of the urgency of my prayers and this truck had that front wheel that has the huge spikes on it. I used to think that was cool until my son started driving and now I'm just like, why do we let these murders on the road? <laughs> And I'm watching these spikes get closer and closer to the front of our car. And as I'm, again, just quoting scripture of though I walk through the valley, I hear, <laughs> you're going to love this, I hear him turn the blinker on and we just start going into that lane. And as I go to use my mom voice again to scream, the truck driver pulls the horn. And as I yell, he's like, which is good because what I screamed, whatever word you think I said, that's between you and the Lord. You don't, that's not on me. Uh, and he swerves back into the lane. And again, I'm, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And he's, and I said, did you not see the big truck? And he said, no, I was doing what you said. I'm like, are you kidding me? And he goes, you said no matter what to pay attention to the road. And I said, I'm just gonna exit the vehicle. Like I just, you know, wanted to jump out at that point. And I said, take me home. And he said, good, I think I'm done as well. And we get home and we sit there in the car and I will never forget this. I said, this is so difficult because you have to pay attention to the road and you have to pay attention to what's going on, but you also really have to pay attention to all of the people around you or somebody's gonna die, okay? Like this is a big deal. And that was great driving advice, you're welcome. But I think about this all the time because it's also a really great picture of what it looks like to walk out our faith. Yeah. See, as Christ followers, for us, we keep our eyes on the thing that's ahead of us that is not a paved road or an on-cue. It is Jesus Christ and him alone. And it is not about our destination, but it is about his location. And wherever he is going, that's where I am headed. And I'm gonna keep my eyes on that. But we have to bring rest into this picture. And at the same time, you have to figure out how to do that and follow him and know how fast you're going. And are you going too fast or too slow? Are you on E? Are you full? Are you running too hot? 
Are you running too cold? And the real kicker is you have to do all of that and pay attention to all of the people that are around you or people can get hurt along the way. That's what it means to walk out your faith, that you're following Jesus and loving people at the same time. And Matthew had this figured out. So let's look at Matthew 9. You're going to be so impressed with this guy after you know all that he has gone through at this point. We're going to just read in Matthew 9, 9. And at this point, Jesus has just been wilding out. Like he's healing all the people. He's doing crazy things. Pigs have run off cliffs at this point. He just healed a paralyzed man. The Pharisees are angry. The crowds are going wild. And Jesus is walking by Matthew's work. Matthew 9, 9, it says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. I just need to stop here for a moment and say that if Jesus can walk up to Matthew during that time, in that place, and ask him to follow me, that he can ask you that as well. That if Jesus would approach somebody like Matthew and create this moment, that he can create that for you also. Nobody at the time thought this was a good idea. The Roman government, I'm sure, was angry. The disciples had been taxed by Matthew. They don't think this is a good idea. The Pharisees will be angry, yet Jesus calls him. And also, if Matthew can just get up and follow him, so can we. This cost Matthew everything. He doesn't get to close up shop and follow Jesus for a little while and then go back to his job like the other disciples who were fishermen. This job was sought after, and when he left the Roman government, then he was no longer ever going to be a part of it. And he gave that up to follow Jesus in an instant. So the question we have to ask today is, this is what it looks like for Matthew to follow Jesus, but what does it look like for you? What does it look like for me to follow Jesus? Is there something that I'm going to have to give up along the way? Is it going to cost me something? And whatever it might look like for me to follow him, then what type of rest must I do so that I can keep up with him? Because you're going to need you're gonna need some energy and some stamina to go the places that Jesus wants you to go. So what kind of rest is it gonna take? And what does it look like for you to follow him? We continue on, it says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. That progressed so quickly. I have to ask Matthew, like, is your house just that clean? that the Messiah can show up? If you text me and say, we're coming over after church, I'm gonna need a moment. Right? I'm going to have to put some stuff away and make sure there's toilet paper. I'm definitely going to yell at a kid, you know? And he just invites him right over. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Matthew took a step to follow Jesus, and then he instantly started loving people. And he did what you would do he invited his friends that just so happened to be sinners and his coworkers that were tax collectors, the oppressors. I can imagine that at no point did anyone at that table ever think that they would have a seat there. They were sitting at the table with the Messiah 
Crowds were beating down doors to get to Jesus, and Matthew created a space for the very people who were not allowed to be a part of it. That's what Matthew did. He created this space for people to experience Jesus the way that he did. So I have to ask you today and myself, what does it look like for you to love people? What does it look like for me to really love people, to create a space? What is my table? What would it look like for me to have an environment where people got to experience Jesus the way that I did? And then, what kind of rest must I do to have the patience to love people? Because I'm not sure if you've been out there lately, but it's not easy. Loving people will exhaust you and frustrate you, and following Jesus will do the very same. We have to be a people who take rest serious so that we move from weary to rested, and then we begin walking out our faith. Jesus ends this dinner with a mic drop. He begins hearing the Pharisees talk about him. They're not brave enough to talk to him, so they start talking to the disciples. In verse 12, it says, Or let me back up a little bit further. It says uh, in 11, when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And on hearing this, Jesus says, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Jesus just looked the most important and smartest people in the room in the eyes and asked them to go and learn a scripture that they had already memorized. He's quoting Hosea 6.6 here, and to be a Pharisee, you had to know that, and he is stopping them in their tracks and reminding them that if you're going to follow me, we're going to go places that are going to require you to walk out your faith and be rested. It looks like this, and I'm going to repeat it over and over again, that you take the first step to follow Jesus, and then you take the next step to love people, and it's following Jesus and people, and Jesus and people, and that's this cadence that you live it out. But if we separate those two, it gets really, really messy. I don't know about you, but if you are only using your right foot to love people, that you are just going to spin in this circle that is going to wear you out and you are going to become really weary. But also, if you're only using your left foot to take those steps to follow Jesus, I don't know if you will become weary, but I guarantee you that the people around you will. I had these neighbors that were really good at following Jesus. Now, I'm going to talk about them. I need you to know that I do not think that I am worthy to gossip about people on a stage, but I am in Tim's small group, and if you remember last week, he told you that his small group was talking about his alpha group, and his alpha group was flipping off his small group. So, I mean, you know, this isn't gossip, though. This isn't gossip. I, I, I am not perfect by any means. 
But I don't ever walk into a room like this and feel like I'm better than any of you. I feel a little bit like Matthew in most situations, that I can't believe God would call me. I can't believe God would use me. I can't believe that he's letting me stand here today on his behalf. That's where I'm at with that. I have a lot, a lot of things that I need to repent for, but it's not judging. But I want to tell you a story about some neighbors that I had that were just really, really good Christians, okay? So... I moved into this neighborhood, and um, my, one of my neighbors said, hey, you're going to love this group of young people. Once a week, they have a Bible study, and they worship, and a lot of people show up, and it's so awesome. And I was so inspired. Every, every week, all the cars everywhere. But my inspiration instantly went to annoyance because they were really bad at parking, and if you've read the Bible, you need to be good at parking, people. And, um, and, and so one day I went to leave. I needed to take a rental car back. And I had a small amount of time because I waited until the last minute. Anybody else really great under pressure? And I went to take the rental car back. And this is my driveway. And at the very bottom of my driveway, they had parked a red car diagonally so that I could not even get, you don't park at the end of somebody's driveway sideways. And I was like, oh my goodness, these Bible study people, they're driving me crazy. And so I went over and I was like, okay, you can do this. You can be confrontational. I'm a seven on the Enneagram. Like, it's fine. We're going to have fun. And um, so I'm walking up and I hear them singing Good, Good Father. And my first thought was, oh, this is a long song. This is... (laughs) Man, like, okay, uh, it's going to be fine. And so, you know, and you're just like, are they going to keep doing the bridge? You know, it's fine. Um, and so I'm waiting, and I'm like, you are, you're so good. And I'm like, oof, need you to be not, not so good. Um, so finally, I just get up the courage. I get up the courage, and I ring the doorbell. Bing bong. And I'm waiting, and uh, nothing. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to do it again. And I ring it again. Bing bong. And the door opens, and the girl goes, can I help you? And I'm like, actually, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm po- like, I'm apologizing. I'm so sorry that you're bad at parking. And, um, but I really, I need the driveway that I paid for. Um, I need to use it. So I have to take this rental car back. And it's, it's going to cost me 18 times more than I actually paid for the rental car. So can you? And she's like, we're in the middle of worship. And she shuts the door. Man. I have not always been a Christian, you know? <laughs> I was just like, I, okay. And I walk back, um, and I wait a little bit, and still nobody. I'm like, the song has to be over by now, unless Steven's singing it, right? Like, come on. <laughs> just so I walk back over. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I walk back over, and I uh, ring the doorbell again, and she opens the door, and she goes, Seriously? <laughs> And I said, yeah, seriously, I still, I need the car to be moved. And she said, she will be right out. We are in the middle of praying, okay? And she shut the door and you guys, everything. And so I just wanted to kick that door open and be like, your good, good father wants you to move your Kia, okay? I've got to go. And I'm just like, is this happening? And so I walk back to my car and finally this girl comes out and she's just staring at me and she does the like, which if you, you know, if a Christian woman does that to you, she, she's really, that's like her flipping you off, okay? She, I was just like, girl, little girl. And she moved her car and I get my car back with one minute to spare. I was like, you are a good, good father today. And I'm driving back home and I turn the corner and there's a giant U-Haul sitting in the middle of the road. And I thought, what are they doing now? 
and I squeak by and I get in my driveway and I get out of the car and the door flings open of this U-Haul and this really angry lady gets out and she goes, hey, I'm trying to move into this house over here and there's cars parked in my way. Do you know whose cars they are? And I said, oh yeah. They're their cars. You're gonna wanna bang really loud though because sometimes they listen to music and so you're gonna wanna, and I decided, um, and I need you to know that she was wearing a Raiders t-shirt so I was like, this is gonna be good. <laughs> and I decided um, I should stay outside and like inspect the bricks um, on my house, you know, just like, this one's good. Okay, this one's still there, I was worried. And she walks up and she just boom, 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 boom. Like everyone in the neighborhood could hear it. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. Checking, you know, like how's this one doing? Um, and I hear them talking and I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I see the door shut. And then she begins walking back towards the road and she is just stomping. And she gets to the very end of the sidewalk. She clenches her fist and she yells at the top of her lungs, I hate Christians. And I thought, yeah, me too. Because that, that was my neighborhood, okay? I prayed for that street. I made my boys put up garbage bins that were not theirs, and they would ask me why, and I would say, Jesus, and they would roll their eyes. And when that house was empty, I prayed for the person moving in, that we would have a moment to share Christ with them, or that if they were Christian, that we could join together. That was my neighborhood, and they got it twisted. And, and they began to think that singing about the good, good father was more important than showing their neighbor who he was. They thought that raising their hands was more important than stopping the music and unloading the U-Haul. Okay, so they began to think that their prayers and their worship were the most important thing. And I was furious. And as you can tell in my voice, I still haven't got over it. Because I had to figure out how to build a relationship with her without her knowing what I did for a living. And I was so mad because the world is desperate for people who will follow Jesus but will also love them. They're so desperate for somebody who's authentic. They're, they're desperate for something that's true. They are desperate and they don't even know it for a savior and we have this moment and sing your songs and believe that he is a good, good father. But then we have to go out there and show them that he is because the people in your Monday, they might not have experienced your Sunday. And this that you get, we are privileged to come in here and this environment has been created for you to rest and get filled up so that you can then go out there and when you're driving down Broadway Extension at five and the Alpha Group's angry, that you can look different. Because what I know that when you follow Jesus and you love people, people will follow you and then they get to find him. That's what's on the line here. That's why we are desperate for you to understand that you cannot live a life of weariness that you have to get rested so that you can follow Jesus and love people. Rest is an invitation for you to change the world that you live in. 
rest is this invitation. It's inviting you to this place that's not just about you. We have to remember what's on the line and we have to keep our eyes on him, to pay attention to all of the people around us because we do not have the right to run over people on our way to Jesus. Rest is inviting you to follow Jesus and to love people. We're creating a space for you this morning. We want to invite you to rest just a little longer before you head out there. We want to invite you to worship with us this morning. And maybe you've never even taken one step towards Jesus. But remember that that's all it takes, that Matthew did that. So there will be a group of people down here that are willing to pray for you or, or talk you through it, that you don't have to do this alone, that you'll find rest in that. Or, or maybe, maybe you don't even know how to rest. Let us pray for you this morning. Or maybe this morning as we've been talking about following Jesus and loving people, you've been thinking about one person. Come share that with this prayer team. They will pray with you and for you in that. So if you are weary, get rested. And if you are rested, walk out your faith. Follow Jesus and love people. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that you were a great example of walking this out. And that when you died for our sins and ascended to heaven, that you sent the Holy Spirit and we need him desperately today to love people and to follow you. We are so honored to have a place where we can come rest so that then we can go and walk out our faith on your behalf. I thank you for everyone here that you give them an opportunity to love people today and that you give them opportunities to follow you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.